Hey there, and welcome to the Dynamics Hot Dish Podcast, serving up stories and knowledge on Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform. This is what's hot in Dynamics. You're now joining Merlin Schweiger, Liz McGlennon, and Ashley Steiner. Welcome, Lucas. Today we have a guest speaker on Lucas Diaz, a co-founder of Ludia Consulting. And he is here to talk about diversity and inclusion. And so we're kicking off a series on the topic. And this is our first episode. We're excited to have you here. Lucas, do you want to share a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me. It's it's phenomenal to be speaking about DNI. Uh, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. So I think I'm looking forward to to discussing it further. But uh, yeah, Lucas Diaz, I'm the co-founder at Ludia here and been doing a lot of Microsoft Dynamics for, for a very long time and also working with architects globally to, to create awesome super solutions for Fortune 500 companies. So that's been my background for the last 15 years. And um, I think once we, we talk a little bit more, yeah, let's you and I go way back. But yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about my experience and how, how it relates to DNI and minority. So thank you for having me. Yeah, and I know Ludia Consulting is the only or one of the only minority-owned dynamics practices in our platform practices, right? So tell us more about like what, how, why did you start that and, and your journey there? Oh, how long do we have? Uh, <laughs> as much time as you need. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Thank you. Thank you for asking that question. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're one of the only uh, minority-owned Dynamics 365 partners out there. Uh, the reason being is because the Dynamics channel is, is usually uh, populated by big organizations. And uh, I think there's another one. There might be another uh, that we just found, uh, actually, uh, but they do Azure and, uh, and other Power BI and things like that. So we're well, the only ones different. in D365 specifically. So it, interestingly enough, we, we created Ludia for... Really, our name actually says it all. Our name really in Slavic means the people, right? And, and what we did is we created an organization that was made for lifting others and also impacting our community. So our team is kind of half and half uh, split in, in technical excellence, delivery excellence, but also being involved with the community. Why? Because I came from that community, uh, being able to, to grow and being interested in technology and now being right, working super close with Microsoft. So I wanted others to, to really share that experience and grow our community. I think we, we really need it. Uh, and also all the wealth that we're creating from a knowledge perspective, we wanna share it and, and others can also grow um, as part of Ludia. So it's, it's a little bit of a, a more of a grandiose objective here for us, one immediate in our company and one for the community. That's awesome. So Lucas, would you mind sharing a little about like your perspective on diversity in the workplace, diversity in our industry, um, and just why why that's important? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. In just the, the simplest way, uh, we would love to have more diversity in D three sixty five in our industry. Um, just DNI is a huge initiative because if you can tell tech in itself is not very diverse, Dynamics 365 is not very diverse at, at all. Um, so bringing diversity brings a lot of new perspectives, new um, also empowerment, right? For, for others, uh, technology really allows you to kind of own your destiny. 
So bringing diversity and growing the communities and, and spreading the wealth, it, it's really important. And, and I think it rounds everybody's perspective out. Uh, like in our team, we have a, a bit of a joke that it's, uh, it's, it sounds like a United Nations meeting because everybody's from somewhere else and everybody brings their own flavor, their own personality and their background into it, which is beautiful. Right. So it's not everything is vanilla and, and cookie cutter. Everything has its own flavor, which is great. So I'm going to ask yeah. kind of a silly question there. Like if everyone's bringing their own background, which I think sounds wonderful, but do you ever get into like awkward moments then like uncomfortable moments? Oh yeah. All the time. <laughs> all the time. I, I'm, I'm guilty as charge of that, right? Because I'm Colombian and Colombians, we have a lot of, a, a lot of Colombianisms. Okay. Things that make are hilarious to us, but not hilarious to anybody What's else. What's an example of one? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> in Colombia, at New Year's, uh, everybody wears uh, yellow underwear. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, because it's a good luck charm, and it's a whole thing. You can Google it, and it says, huh. what are Colombians? And so we're, we're highly superstitious. Okay. So if you're in a meeting in a business setting and you say, yeah, guys, I got my yellow underwear. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it, it's beautiful, right? Because it's our culture and it's commonly shared in South America. You speak about it freely, but in the United States, it's completely different. So uh, the cool part is that it sets the precedent for self-expression mm -hmm. and new ideas, right? Being able to consider that everybody's a little bit different from each other. Uh, and that's beautiful. Um, and that translates into also being able to listen to customer requirements, right? So into our job, they may have a different perspective than us. Mm -hmm. But yes, uh, we definitely have a lot of, a lot of funny stories. Um, some of our team members are, uh, we have a, a gentleman that he's 7'3". And he's Hungarian, right? And he has his own kind of things that, that he does. We have another gentleman from Pakistan, right? And he brings his own flavor as well. We got German and we got like, you know, uh, it's just so diverse. It, it's phenomenal to, to see everybody. And so having That's company great. traditions, it's kind of fun. Yeah. You, I feel like with that sort of atmosphere, it would be hard not to be innovative. You must, and just have fun too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, everybody brings a different perspective. And it's kind of interesting. I, I don't need to go super deep into it. But but the more diversity that you get in creating a solution, uh, the more perspectives you have, the more collaboration, the, the more your brain really actually synapse wise, thanks to expand when you're, you're pushed again, a new against a new idea. So it's, it's fundamentally awesome for the growth of our team. And also, I think we, we all need it. And um, I don't know, I would say in this country worldwide, a, a little bit of open minds and being able to, to have some tolerance and growth and appreciation for others and their perspectives. Yeah, that's a good point. point. Yeah, that's one of the things sort of I've been wondering about uh, a little bit more lately is I've, I've seen the research and the research says that diversity is better for your organization because you get different perspectives, you get more innovative solutions to problems you're better able to reach out to a more expansive base of potential users if you're you know, doing something that's more like consumer facing. But I think it's like, I, I know being on the partner side in the dynamics channel, that there's sort of this 
chicken or egg situation, right? Where you've got, you have the people who have been doing this technology for years, who by and large are a pretty homogenous group of people. And you have other individuals that could bring that diversity of perspective that aren't into the technology or don't have, you know, 10 years of experience on Microsoft platforms. Like, how do you make that jump as an organization that's thinking about their bottom line and thinking, well, I've got this person that could just hit the ground billing, or I've got this person that maybe needs a little bit of time to learn, but that's going to pay off in the long run. Like, how do you, how do you make that jump? How do you help to justify that investment? Yeah, um, it's a little bit of magic, a little bit of investment, and a little bit of preparation. To be honest, right, one is believing that others uh, could grow to, to the plate, right, because we were all learners at one point, right, we were all beginners, we were all at the very beginning, so understanding that other folks have the ability to do so, so finding that DNA of growth and desire and, and drive, it's really the number one priority for us, uh, then the knowledge just comes natively, right, yeah, as part of the experience. Uh, Obviously, so, so what do we do to prepare? Uh, we set up a budget to make sure that we have enough room for us to get other folks onboarded that are, that are fresh and bring new perspective. And also once they're on, we got to create a, a path, a career path so that they absorb all the knowledge from other team members as well. So there's, there's a little bit of preparation for that to happen, but I think it's repeatable. And I think it is, uh, it, it's something that is not rocket science that could be applied for not variety of organizations yeah so i know like your focus like even if an organization is focused on wanting um diversity and a diverse applicant pool like then we also just face the challenge of like the people that are applying to the d365 roles it's not a very diverse set of people and so like lucas what are you doing or do you have any recommendations or advice there of like if you're looking at all the applicants for an open role and like diversity is a goal, how to improve that? Yeah, that's a complex answer because uh, it really starts at the very root of things. So I used to work in, uh, in Europe, for example, in, in Ukraine to be exact, and they have polytechnic schools there and the mathematics was a huge emphasis for them, at, right? In the old Soviet Union, uh, mathematics was looked upon as if somebody was really good, they were admirable. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there was this tradition of, of folks that graduated the engineer pool there is huge. Right. So now if you translate that to the United States, uh, it, it's not it's a little bit different. Right. Engineering science is not priority number one, per se, in some cases. So what it is, is that we, we probably have to start. Literally on the graduate level, right, in the college and, and mm -hmm. also it, we have to make it a little bit kind of bring it back, being like sexy back right? Being like smart, being sexy, smart is the new sexy and success is the new wealth, right? And we have to kind of start at the very root of it in order to, for us to fix it going forward. So that was a, that's why I said it was a long answer. But uh, in reality, what are we doing? We're, we're actually starting at the more junior positions and bringing folks up and also molding them to our, uh, to our desire, uh, but also reaching out to communities as well and informing them that we're here we want to train, we want to keep growing, and we, we have to grow uh, as a dynamics practice and, and dynamics as a whole. So the only way that, or the only place that this is going to come from is from other markets or, or other folks that are up and racing and coming. 
And we got to encourage that. We got to get the message out. So it's a little bit of everything and also finding the right, right nonprofits as well and the right groups and Microsoft and pairing up with a bunch of other folks who have similar uh, objectives. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we're going to, this group's going to fix, you know, the education <laughs> focus, but you know, that's a really interesting perspective. Merlin, yeah. I, I heard something in there that I know you're passionate about of molding, like when you're hiring a, a junior consultant that you're able, you have more control over like best practices and their training. And I know that's something you talked a lot about Merlin's. So I didn't know if you wanted to chime in there. It's true. It's having worked with a variety of different partners. Like I've seen how when a new, like a new junior level consultant comes into, you know, like a thriving technology company, they sort of mold into the culture that is already there, right? So mm -hmm. like if you've got like a cool, fun, like tech company culture, then like everybody who comes in is like, yeah, I'm part of this cool, fun tech company and like everything's great. And then sometimes you'll hire in, you know, the, the, the industry veterans out of other larger consulting companies and they come in and they go, you know, what's, what's all this child's play that's happening around here? Like, well, the way that we used to do it, the way that we did it, which I think is better yeah. was this way. And I feel that that way is foolish. And I feel like in a lot of cases, they had a harder time sort of like meshing into the culture because they had all these kind of preconceived notions. I, I guess, I don't know. Do you find that as a, like, is that another sort of side benefit of bringing in juniors? Does that make up for the experience? Yes, yes, I, I, yeah, absolutely. We we were juniors at one point, right? And we were questioning everything, and we we're like, "What? What does this work the way it does?" Or, "Or this is not good." And and so bringing that new blood also gives you the the excitement, right? New things, and you learn. I don't know. Hey guys, I downloaded this app the other day that I was doing XYZ. Look at what we can do now, right? So it's just like the energy of youth is 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 incredible, and so you need that in an organization. Otherwise, uh, you're never going to change. You're, you're you're basically stuck in a way, so you're not an organization driven for for change, let alone minorities and everything else, right? So right. that's a big um, that's a big change to an organization. True. I mean, I'm surprised that you, like myself, did not exit the womb already an expert in all things Microsoft and maybe I'm just exceptional. <laughs> no, but it, it's, uh, it, it's crazy, right? Because uh, it, I was, I was actually uh, met up with a friend yesterday. It's interesting. I met this drummer and his, uh, his father was a Grammy nominated uh, drummer. He used to play with Diana Ross, right? And so we were, uh, interestingly enough, comparing the parallels between software uh, and, and music, it's really the same, huh. uh, oh. right? So if you ever watch closely a band, everybody kind of knows what they're doing. That's the same thing. There's a tester, a developer, an architect, a PM. They're doing the same thing. Well, a good band knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> right, that is, that is true, uh, right? So uh, interestingly enough, they're, they're very similar. Everybody has a, a, a position and a role. Everybody has to communicate and understand as to what the, the sheet music is being played, right? And they're going to make mistakes and there's no, there's room for it. And there's room for being playful and bringing you your own flavor. That's why solos exist, mm -hmm. right? When you're listening to a jazz band and all that stuff, that's why solos to let you, to let it free. So it's no different than software. 
and creating Dynamics 365 solutions, right? And you got to learn, you got to have that new blood, the guy who's experimenting, who's saying, you know what? I'm going to bring three drum sets and put them upside down. Let's give it a try, right? And, and that's how new music starts. And it's the same thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a little bit out there, but if you start drawing parallels in between uh, how our software, our creators, our solutions, we're, we're, we're doing very similar conceptually, the same things. Well, and I even, I've, I've had this theory about bands that like, you look at like the different, like it's like you have five instruments, let's say, and you have these different types of people with like different personalities and like just different energies, like vibes. I think to your point, Lucas, like everyone kind of brings their own thing or has their own strength. And when you look at, and then this is small scale, like cover band stuff I'm talking about, but when you like interact with them, band after band after band, you're like, you have the same like four or five personalities all the time. Like it's complete. So it's like a team, like an implementation team, probably where you need to make sure that you have all your roles filled or like all your, all just all your bases covered um, and that everyone's bringing different things to the table. Yeah. Yeah. So interestingly enough, underneath that is, outlining of roles, responsibilities, a communication pattern, a communication path, right? And what's not clear gets resolved, right? So in the uh, music notes that you got back there, if you're playing with somebody else, you go over the pieces that are unclear or complex. I would imagine so. I'm not a musician, but... Uh, uh, I don't play with other people, so I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so long story short, I, I don't want to turn it into a, a metaphorical conversation, but uh, it, it really is diversity and, and new perspectives, new knowledge, new things bring, bring really in. And it's what makes it exciting, right? If we were doing the same things and if everybody was the same architect and did the same process, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of a good analogy, and that I feel is a really good analogy. And I feel <laughs> like it it helps to highlight the importance of fresh and diverse perspectives because, like, you can think back to various bands of like they were playing the same stuff all the time, and then like randomly somebody's like, "Well, I'm going to play the zither today," and they're like, well, "Well, let's see what kind of new sound that creates." Yeah, if if that wasn't the case, uh, there would be no no new songs, right? Yeah. All right, and that's what we're trying to create, some some music. I like it. I was wondering, uh, Liz, did you have any other questions you wanted to ask? Yeah, I wanted to do the, a follow-up question on just attracting a diverse applicant pool. So I know, Lucas, kind of when we were prepping, we were like brainstorming ideas of like flexible and remote working and kind of other perks. Like how much do you think those perks matter? Or do you think it's more culture? Or like what do you think applicants are are looking for what attracts a more diverse applicant pool. Do you have any Yeah, it, it, it's phenomenal because we, we had this whole COVID thing happen, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> you guys heard of it? Uh, uh, so maybe, uh, but no, it, yeah. So, so attracting this this new workforce, right? Is, is it really what we call like the new new normal or, or the normal in reality? It's, it's being able to provide the ability for this, uh, you know, this diverse applicant pool to, to really have their, draw their boundaries, right? Saying you can work remotely. There's certain rules that we set in place, but in reality, if you want to work from Paris, go ahead, right? If you want to go, as long as the work is done, the, the clear outline of responsibilities are clear and we're responsible communicating, uh, everything is good. But yes, uh, some of the perks is understanding that people have their own lives, flexible hours are really good, 
right? Uh, being able to, to work remotely, there's, uh, our clients don't necessarily require us to go to the office yet. And we've proven this last two years that it could be done uh, mm -hmm. completely remote. So allowing that freedom to applicants. Plus also, I think one of the, the most important things is creating a path for them, right? Creating the, the growth path. And I just saying, hey, welcome in, but saying, hey, here's what we're going to do over the next two years or the next six months and creating it and really uh, announcing that we're here to grow them. It's, it's an investment on them as it is uh, from us on them and them on us because there's a big trust that they put in on us to, to get them to where they need to be. And um, I think the last one, we introduced a couple of new perks. Uh, interestingly enough, we like cell phone, yeah. for example. Uh, we cover all expenses, internet or phone, or we also cover the Delta in between uh, the price difference between the health plans between 2021 and 2022 to make it more affordable for others to join our team. And I know that some are working mothers, working fathers, or, you know, whatever it is that uh, that population is to make it easier to, to work, right? Alleviate them on the regular things so they can focus on all the work things as well. That makes sense. Yeah, Any, you can't do, your, can't do your best work if you're too concerned about where your kids are going to go today or something else like that, you know? Bingo, right? So let's remove some of the stresses of working from home if we're going to allow for that and also enable it to be a positive experience. So if we do those two things, uh, let's just take an example. We, we have a team member that was a flight attendant, right? That's a job that cannot be done remotely right and growing and, and things like that could, could have it's, it's time bound right mm -hmm. among the time that you can spend training on the ground so if we're allowing that 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 growth path and working remotely and having a buddy oh yeah also they get a buddy uh, we call them my my buddy my buddy i don't know if you guys remember wherever i go she goes okay never mind it's no. a commercial it's a little doll you're going to need to send that to us. <laughs> send that to us. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> yes, my body, my body, wherever I go, my body goes. Um, but anyway, it, it's enabling that saying, hey, you have an architect who's also going to be your friend and it's going to walk through the journey. So those are our perks. Okay. As a whole, that's something that is new that we, we not necessarily paid as much attention previous to the pandemic. So since you talk so much about working remotely and virtually, do you have any tips or advice on how to foster the culture you want in that environment? Because I feel like when no one has met each other in person, it can be hard to kind of build relationships and establish trust and like kind of get to know each other. So any tips there? Yeah, yeah. So we, we try to bring it home uh, or bring it to the office a little bit. So there's a couple of things. We celebrate everybody's birthday. So everybody stops and we, you know, we either have some cupcakes or things like that, or we do something special for everybody's birthday uh, or special events or something big that happens. We try to make it a, a, a deal. It, and we have internal touch points that are like coffee hour. No work talk. Work talk is prohibited. And you can join, you can do your coffee, you can walk around the house, whatever you want to, to kind of bring it in. And then every Friday we, we talk about everybody gets a chance to, to do a demo of something that they learn or that they're seeing because we don't have that connection point at the office and we allow to, to give kudos, weekly praise, things like that to others. And we encourage others to be involved in their local community so they can share 
as part of those Friday calls with everybody. So they feel we're, we're in reality, a global community now, right? It's not just Portland or it's not just Houston. It's all of us and it, it becomes real for everybody. So it becomes kind of like a, an office sensation. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm not, that's definitely a unique idea. Some of those are I've not heard done before. So that's helpful. Thank you for yeah. sharing. <laughs> We're a bit unique <laughs> in case you guys haven't noticed uh, because it's, you have to, you have to get creative in this environment. And so otherwise you go crazy. Sure. So anything else um, you want to share? Anything you're special or exciting you're working on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, we got a, a lot of new initiatives, and one of them, as you as you guys uh, probably heard of, of Lutea Consulting, we focus a lot on field service, and D three sixty five field service is one of our specialties, and we love it, and we are trying to change the game in how uh, basically the gig economy, right? We're empowering again, empowering uh, empowering minorities for anyone and everybody to be part of a service team meaning that I can become the Uber of service and be able to repair uh, XYZ down the street from me or create my own business, uh, not having to travel anywhere or anything. So it empowers um, folks that normally uh, would not have some sort of income and wanna get involved with technology to do so. So creating new avenues like that. So that's one of the exciting projects. And we have a number of other initiatives that, that now start blend the, the reality with mixed reality, with field service, with enterprise applications. So uh, it's it's super cool. We're, we're really excited for the future and we're, we're just getting started. I think it's it's gonna be awesome the next few years. Sounds like it. Yeah. Merlin, do you wanna ask our final question? I will ask our final question. So, and I guess, I should I should make sure that you know what a hot dish actually is. But the question is going to be, what is your favorite hot dish? So are you aware of what a hot dish is? Isn't it like like a casserole? It's, yes, it's basically anything that you put a bunch of stuff in and bake. So that's a casserole. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the funny part is in Spanish, hot dish means plato caliente, which is any plate that is hot food served on it, like chicken or whatever. Oh, sure. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I would say lasagna. Mm. Is that a hot dish? That counts. I mean, yeah, it, it's technically a hot dish. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah lasagna. I'll, I'll go yeah. with that. I, I think, what is it? The, the Canadian dish that they put fries and cheese and all that. Uh, Poutine? Yeah. Is, it, is that a hot dish? No, because it's not like you don't bake that in a dish. Like yeah, you, okay. it needs to be like in, yeah, like a casserole pan, like yeah. in the oven. Okay, yeah. yeah. The lasagna so, uh, counts, so like lasagna definitely, count. yeah. Yeah, 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 it's a lasagna, good lasagna is, is really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what about you guys? Flip it over on you. Yeah, so I, I'm, this sounds terrible, I don't make a lot of hot dishes. I grew up with them because it's a very Minnesotan thing. Um, and so I'd have to say my favorite one, which is completely based on nostalgia alone, was like my grandma had this recipe and we called it chicken yummy. And it was just cheese, chicken, and croutons. Cheese, <laughs> like bread. Cheese, chicken, and croutons? That's it. That's yummy. <laughs> yeah, chicken yummy, see? And so that's my favorite <laughs> one. <laughs> so healthy. 
Oh, that, that sounds yummy. I hate it's all protein, carbs, and fat, fat with cheese. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's all the body needs. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fat. Can't go wrong. Uh, I did not actually grow up really eating hot dishes. So I, I was actually probably too lasagna myself. Like as close as we got to hot dishes. I do enjoy the lasagna. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, I'd be curious now with the pandemic, how many people bake, you know, like do hot dishes and everything. I feel like everybody was making bread last year. Oh, yeah. Yes. You it was hard. That? The sourdough starter was like very popular. Yeah, it was yeah. toilet paper, sourdough starter and yeah. like uh, flour. And well, then, all baked goods. Like I remember my mom and I were like stockpiling yeast because like you couldn't <laughs> get like all baking goods were just like sold out. Um, I attempted homemade cinnamon rolls, which is also a family recipe, um, during East for Easter last year. And I was like, was that a year ago or two years ago? It was two years ago. <laughs> um, and it took me like 12 hours because they have to rise three times, three times, three times. So it was just a lot of waiting. And then like you roll them out by hand and I got done. Like we had them for like dinner <laughs> it took all day and like, they weren't even that good. Like they were not <laughs> worth it at all. And I'm like, I am never spending this much time baking something like that from scratch again. That's that much of a hassle. Like I'm just going to go buy the Pillsbury can from the store and like, put it in the <laughs> oven. And then the family recipe was super vague. Like I had like three different handwritten versions and like they all just said a lot of flour. And I'm like, mom, what is a lot of flour? She's like, I don't know, like 13 cups. They all, it also made like over a hundred of them. So it was like to <laughs> feed like a whole army of people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like it was needed to be cut into like an eighth of the amount of food. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it's probably, it was it a grandma recipe. It was like, a grandma recipe, a German grandma is. recipe. <laughs> Cause they're like, Oh yeah. just, just whatever. Cause they, they play yeah, it's like, a pinch of that and a dab of this and a little and a lot. And it's sure. just like, what does that mean? Like I need cups. Tell me in cups. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Well, now, now we know, right? No, no cinnamon rolls from, from Liz. No, so I never tried the bread after that experience. I had a friend trying to give me the bread starter. And I'm like, nope. I'm like, I just did these cinnamon rolls and it about killed me. Totally wasn't worth it. I'm not going to try the bread. <laughs> It'd be a lot easier than that. I've seen cinnamon rolls from scratch be produced in three hours or less. So yeah, but that's a family delicious. recipe. It's also not as much fun making them by yourself. Like I grew up baking them with all like the women in my family, like when I was a kid. Sure. And so you sit around the table and talk for the whole day. And so it was an experience and like doing it alone is also just not the same either. Yeah, <laughs> well, so, so how interesting and fascinating you raised that. So I know we're up to time, but Look at the diversity that you had around that table and the different stories. And I'm sure that your family was not all from one place. No, yeah, they weren't. Right. Same, same, but different. Mm -hmm. It's a good tie together. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, <David>. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks yeah. for joining us today. Yeah. It great conversation. Yeah, no, it's been great. Thank you guys for having me as well. And, and absolutely would love to, to get the message out of now uh, DNI, diversity and inclusion, because I feel we need it 
we want it and and it could be really powerful right if we take it to the next level so yeah thank you for having me uh love to come back at any point in time to talk about recipes metaphors or colombianisms so uh whatever you guys want it's, it's been an honor awesome Likewise. thanks so much thank you for listening to the dynamics hot dish podcast for additional content and previous episodes, check out our website at dynamicshotdish.com, follow us on Twitter at Dynamics Hot Dish, and subscribe to our podcast for notifications. Thanks. See you next time.